Good morning. How are we doing? Good, good. That was pretty good. Nice work. Happy Thanksgiving's coming up. It's on Thursday, just in case you need to know that. A couple of things before uh, we get started this morning. First of all, um, you'll see on the walls some categories. On Friday night, we had a praise and prayer uh, time here at the church and, and just had a great time of praying together and, and worshiping uh, the Lord together. And, and one of the things that we did was to write down just a praise or prayer in those different categories that you see uh, up on the wall there. And so I'm going to encourage you after the service, if uh, you want to go up and write something on uh, those uh, papers on the wall, that would be awesome. And uh, we're going to gather those after and and uh, just pray over them uh, once again. And so I encourage you to do that. Secondly, um, want to uh, let you know that we need to be in prayer for the Mortimer family, Dan's uh, cousin, Karen Johnson, who um, uh, was an attender here at our church, uh, passed away this last week. And so uh, just be in prayer for uh, the Mortimers and uh, their family. And then thirdly, uh, this morning, I uh, want to invite you to uh, come to uh, a prayer walk for Revelation Church, which is uh, the church plant out in Coeur d'Alene that we are heavily involved in. So if you didn't know that, we are heavily involved in the church plant. Um, and so what that means mostly is, is that, that I am heavily involved in the church plant in Coeur d'Alene. And so um, uh, I have the privilege of, of coaching uh, Zach Adams, who uh, is the church uh, planter. Uh, and Revelation Church is uh, going to be starting here in the fall. And uh, Zach's doing a wonderful job of getting things going. They have a core group of about 44 people uh, right now. And so he's moving ahead uh, very nicely. And so they're going to do a prayer walk on, and this is in your program, by the way, on December 9th at 10.30 a.m. And, uh, and so we're going to meet here at 9.15. So if you would like to uh, go on a prayer walk, maybe you've never done that before, uh, it's a great experience. And then we'll uh, go ahead and do the walk and then come back to Zach's house for uh, some soup and hot chocolate and, and fellowship and that kind of a thing. And so it would be awesome if we could get a good group of people from our church to, to go and, and just to pray for uh, this new church plant. All right, let's uh, get to it. Psalms 23, go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn uh, to Psalms 23. Uh, we're going to be looking at verse uh, 4 uh, this morning, uh, and so uh, that's where we're headed. This week's message is on uh, confidence, and so uh, just kind of put that in the back of your mind as we uh, look at verse 4. Each year, uh, there comes a, a time in the life uh, of a sheep uh, or a flock when uh, grazing has kind of left the summer uh, passages or pastures uh, bare. And when that happens, what the shepherd does is that he needs to lead the flock to uh, higher grounds in order to find new fields. And the process can actually take uh, months, and it can be treacherous. Uh, there are poisonous plants, and and climbing can be very hard and dangerous. In addition to that, uh, wild animals can come and attack 
uh, the weather can turn bad. I mean, all kinds of stuff uh, can go wrong and make this trip uh, extremely unreliable. And so for, for that reason, some shepherds like don't do it. That they just don't take their flock into the mountains. And they let them stay uh, below in the fields that are almost bare with, with like next to no grass to eat. And they let the, the flock learn how to get by on less than enough to eat. But, but not the good shepherds. The, the, the good shepherd takes his flock up to higher ground. Knowing that even though there's danger along the way, the trip is necessary in order for the sheep to continue to be healthy. And every mountain has its valleys. And the experienced shepherd knows which one leads to greener pastures. So so that's where they go. And even though the walk can be dark and it can be dangerous, the experienced shepherd knows exactly what he's doing and where he's going, and he leads the sheep well. And no doubt this is what David was thinking when he wrote today's verse. Verse 4, which says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so as I said, today's message is about confidence. The the confidence that we can know that that God, our shepherd, is with us. That that he is with us during life's most difficult moments. And this morning, I'm just going to take us through verse 4. No, like, cute outline this morning. No, you know, do this and do that. We're just going to walk through uh, verse 4, even though I like the cute outline, by the way. That's just not what we're doing today. So, so number one on your outline this morning, go ahead and take that out of your program, and you can follow along with me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, uh, of death. Well, without today's verse, Psalms 23 wouldn't be all that realistic, would it? I mean, if you look at the first three verses and you take that out of context, it paints an inaccurate, rosy picture of life. I have everything that I need. I eat in these green pastures. I drink from still waters. I'm walking down the path of of righteousness, giving glory to God the whole way. Now, Now, if Psalms 23 ended right there, well, we would have... Every right to think that, like, that's like going to, to, to a week at, like, church camp, right? Nothing wrong with church camp, by the way. You guys just got back. It's a good experience, right? That's the point, though. The reality is, is that David, he doesn't stop at verse 3. Instead, he... He adds these words, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and he doesn't say it like, like it might happen. It's not like perhaps or, or, or maybe someday I might encounter a, a dark valley. No, 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 no. He says it in the 
present tense, even though. And the meaning of this is in connection with verse 3. It's that God will lead us and guide us in, in paths of righteousness, even though that path goes through the darkest and most gloomy valley. Through the deep and dismal shades and regions where there is no light. As if death had to cast his dark and unfriendly shadow there. And it is still the right path. It's the path of safety and it will bring us to the bright regions beyond. And in that dark and gloomy valley and even though... I can't guide myself. I will not be alarmed. Right? I'm good. I won't be afraid of wandering or being lost. I'm not going to fear any enemies there. For my shepherd is there to guide me. He doesn't leave me or drop me off on the wayside. He is there. And the word here, shadow of death, occurs eight times in the book of Job, and then three times in other Psalms, twice in Jeremiah, and once in Amos. And the idea is that of death casting his gloomy shadow over that valley. And for that reason, the word is applicable to any path of of sadness or gloom that we may run into in life, any sense of trouble or sorrow, any dark or dangerous way. And all along those paths, God will be a safe and certain guide. It's one of the most important lessons for believers, I think. For, for us that, 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 that are Christ followers, for us to learn that, that we will for sure walk through the valley of the shadow at times in our lives. And guess what? It's not because God has abandoned you. It's not because the Christian life doesn't work. It's because the valley is a part of our walk with Christ. Ecclesiastes 8 tells us righteous people suffer for what the wicked do and wicked people get what the righteous deserve. Right? It means that none of us have a dark valley exemption. We all walk through a mess at some time uh, in our lives. But, but here's what I want you to know. When, when you are walking with the shepherd, the dark valley always leads to higher ground. I, I, I've known people, and so have you, who have entered the valley and like they never leave it. Right? Maybe it's because of a death of a loved one, a failed relationship, a financial crisis, health problems, you name it. These experiences can make life seem like a dark valley. And some people enter into the valley and they just stay there. They let life make themselves bitter and then it keeps them from moving on. And the mindset is this. If that's all that God has for me, then then forget it. You know what? I give up and I'll just stay in my anger and I'll stay in my pain. I'll toss God aside because you know what? I'm better off without him anyway. That's a dark place. 
And people can get there, especially when they face the death of someone close to them. And you know what? It's not good enough to say, I know you'll see them again in heaven someday. Right? A grieving person does not want to hear that. The question they're asking is, how am I going to make it until then? How will I survive with this tragedy, this vacancy in my life? And I'm not going to pretend for a second that the valley isn't dark and difficult. And I'm not going to pretend for a minute that, that I have a quick and easy answer to the question, why is this happening to me? I can only say that we will all walk through the valley of the shadow. And a lot of people get bogged down with the why question, right? Why do things happen? Well, why did my spouse or my friend die? Why did I lose my job? I can come up with a thousand whys. You know what, though? I've never met anyone who can answer the question that would meet the expectations of the person asking the why question. And we may never fully know the answer to the why question. But we can know how we respond to the question, how should I respond to the crisis? So I don't know why your husband or wife left or why the, text, the church in Texas got shot up. Well, we kind of know a little bit. But I do know that we can demonstrate God's love and God's compassion when people are going through a, a crisis. And you may not know why you're passing through whatever valley you're in today, but you can let God use this valley to lead you to higher ground in your life. You can use this valley to draw you near to God. And David uses this phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. And I want to give you three things about shadows this morning. There are three things to remember about shadows. Number one, shadows are always bigger than reality. Right? It's like a person that's five and a half feet tall. They, they cast like a 12-foot shadow. Right? Our fear of the problem is always bigger than the problem itself. And I don't know about you, but I'm awesome at blowing things out of proportion. Right? I can do that with the best of them. Number two, shadows cannot hurt you. There's a big difference between being run over by the shadow of a truck and being run over by the truck. (laughs) Right? Shadows are an image without substance. They can scare you, but they cannot hurt you. And then number three, there is no shadow without light somewhere. And and the light of God will never disappear from your life. Just just don't look at the shadow. Instead, look at the light, and then the shadow will fall behind you. All right, the next part of verse 4 this morning, number 2, is I will fear uh, no evil for you are with me. I was doing some research on fear uh, this past week came across an article that uh, talked about fear being a choice, right? So it's not just an emotion that we can't control, and yet how many times does the Bible say what? Fear not. If you've seen the movie Facing the Giants, you remember the answer, right? 365, one for every day of the year. We're constantly reminded by God not to be afraid. 
And what this means as the dark, dismal things that come into our lives, it means that I will dread nothing because we have nothing to fear in that dark valley. And the great shepherd will go with us and he can lead us safely through however dark it may appear. So the, the, the believer in Christ has nothing to fear in the valley of the shadow of death. Nothing to fear in the grave. Nothing to fear in the world beyond. Then it says, for you are with me. We, we shall not go alone. We shall not be alone. And the psalmist felt assured that if God was with him, he, he had nothing to worry about. That God would be his companion, his comforter, his protector, his guide. And I thought, how applicable this is to death. Right? The person who is dying seems to go into the dark valley alone. And friends come along with them as far as they can. But at some point, they have to part ways. And they cheer him up with their voice until he becomes deaf, deaf to all sounds. That they cheer him up with their looks until his eyes become dim and can't see anymore. And they cheer him up with a fond hug until he can't feel the warm embrace of another human. And then he seems to be alone. But you know what? The dying believer is not alone. His Savior God is with him in the valley and he will never leave him. And on his arm he can lean and by his presence he will be comforted. And all that is needed to dissipate the terrors of the valley of death is to be able to say, for you are with me. More than once did Jesus say, do not be afraid, just believe. And when David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me, I think they're talking about the same thing. He's saying, I'm choosing not to be afraid, but rather choosing to believe. And notice here how David has changed the pronouns in verse 4. In verses 1 through 3, David refers to the Lord as what? As he. And in verse 4, he refers to the Lord as you. For you are with me. Here's the secret getting through the valley. And that's to get personal in your relationship with God. Right? We've all heard the story about people that are not disciplined in their prayer life. Like they just kind of check in with God every once in a while. And then crisis hits and suddenly... Right? It's a whole lot more than that. And their thought pattern of who God is goes from God being the creator and king eternal to now God becoming their loving father. And a lot of times God becomes way more personal when crisis hits. 
Man, so many people get hung up on the question, did God send the crisis so that you could grow in your faith? You know what? Not the point. The point is, is that crisis came and God was there to get you through. And then they begin to discover that God is not just a God of Sunday morning or a God of the religion, but rather he is a God of every moment of every day. The chorus is correct. God is an awesome God. And what's more, he's a personal God. And he is our loving Heavenly Father. He's our friend. He's, he cares about us. He is the gentle shepherd. And even when we go through some of the most difficult days of life, you can know that he will be there with you. The, the third way to have confidence in difficult times is to know that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It may not be easy to see the difference between these two words, but, but you know what the staff is, right? The staff's the thing with the crook on the end, and then you have the rod. And the image is that of a shepherd counting his flock with the staff. And, and, and the rod, which is the symbol of his office, is used for correction and protection. It's used to guard the flock, to, to drive off enemies of the flock. And the crook is said to have been used to trip the legs of the sheep when they had this thought of running away. And the idea was to keep them what? With the flock. And so with this staff, he rules and he guides the flock to their green pastures. And with the rod, he defends them from their enemies. The shepherd uses the rod and the staff to correct when disobedient and bring them back when wandering. And because the rod was used for protection, when a predator approached the flock, like maybe a, a wild animal, the shepherd would use the rod to defeat the attacker. David made reference to this when he got ready to fight Goliath. King Saul told me he couldn't fight Goliath. David said this in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. That, that's how the rod is used. To, to protect and to correct. And we can count on God to do that for us today. Because if we'll let him, he will correct us. He will protect us. And I've heard people say, I don't like the idea of a vindictive God who punishes us when we do wrong. That's not the idea here at all. It's not that God punishes us, but rather we let him and, and he gets us back on the right track when we wander off. And the good shepherd will not let his sheep wander into dangerous territory. He, he corrects them when they need it. Even if it takes a little nudge with the rod. And God will do the same for us. Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, compares the shepherd's rod to 
the Word of God, the, uh, the Bible. In the same way that the shepherd would use the rod to examine underneath a sheep's wool, God's Word examines our thoughts and our motives. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the shepherd would also use the staff. And the staff was this long, slender stick with the hook on the end of it. It was used to guide the sheep, to, to move them from right to left. And the shepherd would also use the staff to catch the sheep and pull him so, so the shepherd could examine him. And the sheep can be timid, and sometimes the shepherd would approach the sheep, and the sheep would move away, kind of like a, a dog. You know when your dog hears the word bath? What happens, right? The shepherd also used the staff to rescue the sheep. And when the sheep would fall off the side of the mountain or into water, the shepherd would use the staff to draw the resistant sheep near to him again. Keller compares the staff to the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit comforts us and gently leads us along the path of life. And Jesus said in the first part of John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He guides, he draws us near to God. As one of God's sheep, you can be sure that his rod and his staff, the the word of God, the spirit of God will comfort you in your walk with him. It's the last part of the verse, they comfort me. And really the sight of the rod and the staff should encourage us because they show that the shepherd is there. And as significant uh, of his presence and his office, they impart confidence showing that he will not leave us alone and that he will defend us. So even when we walk through the shadows, the psalmist tells us that we can have confidence that the good shepherd is there with us to correct us and to guide us and to encourage us. Okay, for the last three weeks, I've been giving you some homework, and so today's the same. Uh, So we're going to add a verse on to Psalms 23. And so let's just read uh, this together. If you have it there in your Bibles, we'll start in verse 1, go through verse 4. Are you ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then number two for this week is to get personal with God. Remember how David used the personal pronoun in verse 4. Each day this week, would you just tell yourself this about God? Just say in your mind, when you think about it, you are with me. Just say that throughout the day. And each time you say that, know that it's true. That that you're not alone. That wherever you are, God is literally there with you. And especially when you're in the valley. You can know that God is with you and his presence will help you. 
His word will comfort you and his spirit will, will minister to you and guide you. As he leads you through the valley onto higher ground. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. Father, my prayer for this morning is that we would allow you to correct us and protect us, God. Father, my prayer is that as we face difficult things in our lives, that that we would be able to turn to you and trust you and have confidence in knowing that, that whatever happens, you will guide us through. You'll give us the strength. You'll give us whatever it is we need. Father, we want to thank you for that today. And then, Father, I want to pray for those that are here uh, in our church, Father, that are going through the valley right now. Father, I pray for strength for them. I pray that they would look to you. And Father, we don't have any magic things to say other than to stay true to you and to stay in the word and to stay close to you as you lead and as you guide. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.